Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer with you at a little home office. Back at the 630 Chad studios. Helping navigate us through some tricky waters. Brendan Escott. We'll get to John Shannon, or NHL Insider, momentarily. Uh, but before we do, I ask the uh, question, is it fair for ownership to go back to the players, given uh, the extent of which uh, COVID-19, the pandemic, has impacted the world, to look at renegotiating terms to the Memorandum of Understanding? And a lot of you, and I mean a lot of you, have texted back at uh, on our Ashley Fine Floors text line seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Jay says, Bob, no, I don't think it's fair to the players or to the fans. The owners, for the most part, have made a lot of money in the last couple of decades. Their expansion. Uh, Dollars and increase in sales and revenue, et cetera, going up. Times are bad right now, really bad. That's true. But I honestly think that when this is all over, uh, we will see a rebound. We'll see the economy back and uh, people will spend and NHL attendance and sales will go up. It'll be astronomical because people will be chomping at the bit to get back to it. The owners simply have to hold on to that and hold on for the rebound. It'll all be worthwhile in the long run. That one comes to us from Jay. Jay, you're an optimistic guy. I tend to deal in from an optimistic perspective. I'm not as convinced that we'll see a massive bounce back. I think it's going to take some time. I'd like to ask our next guest, NHL insider John Shannon, whether or not he agrees or disagrees with that. Hello, John. How are you? Hey, Bob. Uh, so, so how would you define bounce back? Uh, well, bounce back is, to me, you know, getting everybody back plus 5 6 7% above what you once were. I don't see that happening. You want to you want to improve the situation over what existed before the pause, and I don't see how that's found. I, I don't think how that can come. Yeah, I don't see. How, I, what about I think, you? I, I think I, I think we're three to five years away from that. I, I really do, and, I, and and that's not to say that we're not playing in. Th- uh, what I'm saying is, I, I think that there will it will take a long time for the business to get back to full capacity, and I'll, I'll tell you what. Uh, we we know that the players and the owners agree with us because that's why there was a four-year extension done to the CBA in the summertime um, that that caused for gradual uh, uh, escrow changes and uh, called for a deferral this year. So everybody was in agreement that it's going to take you know three years to get back to normal if if we ever do get back to it. 
John, to your knowledge, was there a caveat in place with the memorandum of understanding that there could be a renegotiation on the percentages if the COVID situation, or for whatever reason, was that in place at any point in the uh, C, the memorandum, the MOU of the CBA? Well, if you talk to a guy from the league, the answer is yes. If you talk to a guy from the Players Association, the answer is no. Which is which is quite specifically the disagreement that is is going on right now, and that why okay. that Gary and Don Fear have not talked for a while, even though both sides are talking. It's not at the commissioner to the executive director level. It's Bill Daly talking to, you know, legal counsel Don Zavolo at the Players Association. There is a real belief, um, and without getting too technical about it, there's a, there's a real belief within the league office that uh, there's a certain part of the players' contracts that is still in place uh, that they can still make changes based on less than a full season pro rata uh issue and and the players association say no we agreed that that wouldn't be wouldn't take place at all uh in the first couple of years and the league is saying no no we agreed to you know there are th- there are basically three clauses in the in the paragraph we agreed to the third clause we didn't agree to the first two uh, and it's pretty it, in the in the memorandum it is pretty well s- s- stated that the first two clauses of the contracts are uh, can still be open to interpretation, which is what the league is doing right now. Uh, I, I know both sides pretty well, and and uh, I can only speak for, for from my working alongside Gary and Bill. There's no way that they would have allowed themselves to be put into this corner. Uh, and I do think that uh, they believe, and they've always believed. Uh, that they had a right to come back and say, listen, we need to, if COVID is not, you know, improved by the time we want to start again, we need to be able to find a way to fix it. So, and I think that that's where the disagreement is. It's it's plain and simple. Uh, and the question then becomes, is anybody prepared to, to really draw a deep line in the sand? And um, we've been, Bob, we've been through this a lot of times. We've seen it happen before with, Gary with Bob Goodnow, Gary with Don before, um, and we're just going through a, you know, a, one of those old mating ritual dances that we've seen. It's not as cut as straightforward as a, 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 in inventing a new CBA because they do have a CBA in place, uh, but that's what's that's what's happening right now. So. Is it your understanding the additional 16% deferral that the league has requested, plus an increase in escrow in years four, five, and six, does that mean they wouldn't prorate per game the salaries for the players? Well, I think it all goes hand in hand, uh, and I think what I think what 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 the league is saying is is that rather than prorating salaries. Uh, we can put a lot of this other stuff in place that will make the um, the, the, the penalty for a, a less than full season and less than 72% a little more palatable in the long run for, for both sides. But that's, you know, that's, that's the negotiation. You and I, we're not in the negotiation right. when it happens. Um, you know, the bottom line is that the league still believes in 50% of hockey-related revenue. And if there's only 48 games in a schedule uh, with with nobody in the building, 
that's that that fifty percent of HRR is much less than seventy two percent of the player's full salary, and that's the issue. Um. Larry don't Bro- blame, listen, listen. There's pushback. There's pushback from owners too, too, Bob. Because uh, you know, there are owners that have not really received very much money. They've already paid the players a, a paycheck uh, at the end of October, which was part of the MOU uh, to get the players through to the start of the season. Um, and there are lots of lots of owners that are hurting physically or fiscally rather um and and that has to be a consideration and i'm sure it is a consideration for for many of the owners and for the league office now i've given my interpretation uh somebody i got a couple texts what about larry brooks's suggestion that uh seattle you know front load 300 million dollars to the nhl to make up that 300 million dollar difference that elliot friedman keeps referring to uh but Correct me if I'm wrong here. Does that $300 million not go to, directly to ownership? That is not considered part? Uh, expansion money is not considered part of ho- hockey-related uh, revenue? No, it's not part of HRR. You know? Right. Um, uh, and um, why should C- Seattle's not a member of the league yet. Right. Why should Seattle? Why, why should Seattle be put in a position of? Of uh, uh, I mean, Seattle doesn't have a vote at the table. Seattle doesn't doesn't have anything yet. Why? Why would Seattle be, be forced to pony up that type of money? Um, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I, Larry Brooks and I, Larry and I have been friends for a long time. But I also know that Larry really believes in the player's position. Yes. And. and it, um, you know, I, I I think it's. I mean, if you take three hundred here and you see, oh, let's plug it to three hundred there. You know, that makes that makes sense from just a pure arithmetic pos- position. But that doesn't make sense from a business position. There's no point that Jerry Bruckheimer and David Bonderman should be punished uh, having to put their money up earlier, uh, and nor should uh, nor should that money uh, be be put into that pot. And I don't think that that's a precedent that the league would want to create. This text comes in on our Ashley Fine Floors text line, our NHL insider, John Shannon. Bob, if there isn't a season and no games are played, what happens with people like Connor who have gotten their bonuses already? Uh, do we burn a year of his contract considering he got paid, or does he just end up getting a free $13 million? Well, uh, hold on. Remember, though, remember, um, bonuses are bonuses. They're not, they're not salary. So you only get you only burn a year based on salary. You don't base the year. You don't burn a year based on bonuses. So uh, you, you know there. There. I mean, that, the question becomes: Is a player's contract going to be told? I think that would have to be negotiated. I think the bigger issue why there has to be a season played is that there are too many other contracts corporately <laughs> yeah. that the players share in with the owners that have to run their that have to be done this year in order to make sure that there are bigger pots to share in in years to come and and the the two that jump out of this are the TV contracts in Canada and the United States. You know, it's funny John because on the weekend yeah, I I catch up with some people and we got, you know, we 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 both know a lot of guys in business and there's lots of people out there that fundamentally get this like alberta is reeling right now you know the unemployment rate's high um the oil and gas sector is has been absolutely devastated mm-hmm. it's, it's been a huge benefit to the country for the last 40 years uh there's been a significant 
uh, amount of people come here from other parts of the country that don't really respect the benefits. I personally think that oil and gas have helped, like Alberta has paid at a very high rate in a lot of other areas that are really important. And and I, I wish, like the team's called the Oilers, so I think you know which side I'm going to be on on this when it comes to oil and gas. But and And with all that being said, I sit here and I go, can we just not rationally come up with a solution to get back to playing? You know what I'm saying? Like, give and, it and everything you know else. In the, in the end, we will. In yeah, the end, we will. Yeah, yeah, it's going to happen. I mean, it's you know, we need, we will have a season. Um, what we don't know is uh, when it will start, and we don't know how long it is, but we will have a season. Um, this that's the only similarity we have between the previous lockouts. Uh, and this negotiation, this is a much different negotiation based on the fact that there's an existing collective bargaining agreement. And I don't think the league's in a position to cancel the season while the CBA is in effect. Uh, the only reason, uh, in my mind, the, the only reason that a season could be postponed or canceled is if COVID gets even more out of control. Well, that's... Well, I mean, no, but that, it, that, that's it's possible. It is no, that's a, that's a real concern. Sure, it is. Sure, it is, and I think that you know, and I mean, look, I mean, uh, look what's happened in 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 the NFL with the postponement now. I think twice of that Pittsburgh Baltimore game. Um, and uh, how about the game look, yesterday? Look, how about the game the yesterday? Look I was going to say. Well, look what the Broncos put on the on the on the field. If they had had actually had people in the building that yesterday, like a, a large paying public, they would have demanded all their money back. We have to really be safe about this, and and I and there's I don't think there's anything wrong with waiting, but we still have some other issues to to figure out before we wait. And I you know I I still suspect that we're going to have a, a season that starts late January. First of February, and it goes to the seventeenth of of July. See, and, and I just look at this, John, and go, okay. So get through the U.S. Thanksgiving weekend, then you got Christmas. How about don't even bring the players in in, in training camp until like January the twenty first? Who says you have to have a two week training camp? They've all been skating. Let's let's get guys in here and up and going and have training camp January twenty first. Have a seven or eight day camp, play one exhibition game, drop the puck for real on a forty eight game schedule February first. That gets you through two of the worst stretches, you know, theoretically that could happen for COVID and buys you more time to work out the agreement. Plus buys the medical experts, which, as you know, are working diligently on a day-to-day basis Mm -hmm. from a a league perspective. I mean, Edmonton has a contributing partner in that as well, uh, Dr. Naidu, and and plan out an approach where this thing can be feasible. Well, I I, I think that's all happening. I think there are. I mean, I I have heard dates all the way from January 1st to February 15th for the start of the season. Okay. Uh, now, the, the the more we wait, January first is is almost impossible to do when you consider that players overseas uh, that come back have to quarantine for 14 days before camp starts, and then you do have the holiday, and you're gonna you're gonna give that holiday off to the to the players still, I believe. Um, so yeah, you're, uh, it, those are those are major issues. Uh, you know, the one thing I I do think is that you know we, it it we're, it's being narrowed down what type of season we're gonna have, whether it's going to be the limited bubble situation of playing for two weeks in a certain city with teams of your division, 
and then taking a week off and moving the bubble and those teams playing again for two weeks and then moving the bubble after a week off again or doing uh, playing in your own building. But but you can only play in in everyone's own building um, in your division if the government allows you to. For instance, right now, if the season were to start, you, you, San Jose cannot play home games. What about Winnipeg? I don't. I don't think Winnipeg I don't, could. Yeah. I don't think Winnipeg can either. Yeah. So, uh, so we have to. You know, we have to find ways to work around that. Uh, and we. And and there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with waiting as long as the end goal and the end result is still having a season uh, yeah. of some sort. Uh, I think. And I think that both the players and the and and the league would agree to that. Uh, based on trying to make sure that uh, you know there are levels of revenues acceptable to both sides. There you go. Uh, hey, uh, I'm going to give you a, a, a softball to crush out of the park here. I was watching uh, the <laughs> 19 the night because the, the last five questions, John, were not easy. Uh, 1981 Edmonton Oilers Montreal Canadiens. Yes, How sir. often did you get a chance to work with uh, Danny Gallivan? Nobody a can lot. build Chris. And, and I'm just because you could tell in his voice during the course of that series that the Oilers went from, you know, it being an upset in game one to just being better than Montreal by game three. And it was the emergence of this young cavalcade of stars. Mm-hmm. But what, what was it like working with da- uh, Danny? And, uh, you know, do you, re- do you specifically recall that 81 series at all? Well, I did. I, I mean, I was lucky enough to game three at the Coliseum. Uh, remember, with upstart goaltender Andy Moog coming out, um, you know we—that's how we started the show. We—we—we we, we actually just—we didn't really have very much other than having the Oilers show up and then the Coliseum going crazy. Yeah. Uh, that was the way to start that game. And Danny and and Dick and Gary Dornhofer, if I recall, were the three men in that very small booth at the Coliseum. Uh, and by then, uh, I can tell you that Gallivan was, uh, and and whether it was a relationship he had with Sather, because Glenn played the year in Montreal, right. uh, but by then, and Red Fisher obviously had a relationship, but by then the, the Montreal announcers were affixed to the Oilers. They were they were as as uh, uh, charged with how well the Oilers played as anybody. They were absolutely thinking that this was the the, the greatest. Um, and and I do think it was a lot of respect. I, I, I you know, as I think we talked about it last week. Montreal to me is is the greatest hockey market in the world. The most sophisticated fans, and I think that reflects in everybody on the air, off the air, and in the seats. And 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 Danny was one of those guys that fell in love with the Oilers, fell in love with the Oilers quickly uh, because of the way they played the game. I mean, his play by play was better because the Oilers kept skating. And he could sound more effusive because the Oilers kept moving, and they were fast, and Danny was fast, and he could use his adjectives and adverbs to make it sound exciting. No, I, I still remember to that um, that uh, that series, you know, in, in many many ways, uh, and how great Danny was, uh, particularly in Game Three as the Oilers swept them. Well, Game Two was the game Mo kind of stole, but I mean the Oilers got six goals in Game One and six goals in Game Three. Yeah. Wayne Gretzky, Wayne Gretzky, John, was plus eleven in that series. Plus yeah, it, eleven. It was, it was the Oilers outscored Montreal eleven nothing when he was on the ice. It was, was a it special, a- special time. It was. It, yeah. was, it, it really was. 
I mean, hey, listen, they took the Islanders to six games the next series, if you remember. Remember, they were good also. I mean, we're, we're talking about playoff formats. But this, this was a 1-16 to 16 playoff format, Bob. Yeah, yeah. That's why, that's why the Oilers ended up playing Montreal. Uh, and in in the second year of that, so that to me, and then I mean to beat Montreal and then take the Islanders to six games in that second year was was absolutely electric. Do you know what I remember, John? Just to wrap up, is it was it was mostly Gretzky and and, and a bit Curry uh, against and Coffee because Coffee was yeah. uh, scored in all three games against Montreal. But then they play the Islanders, and the Islanders were on Gretzky like they were. He did get a he got a hat trick in one game at Edmonton, so I guess they weren't on him that much. But it was Glenn Anderson and Mark Messier playing with Matty Hagman, and they scored two or three ridiculous. Ridiculous goals, like off, like like goals the Russians of night, you know, the 19, late seventies, early eighties Russians would mm-hmm. score, and you could see because we didn't think Messier was going to be that good in nineteen eighty. Oh, no. Like, like no, he, I mean, heck, he heck, was the, still raw. First, the first two years that Mark played for the for the Oilers, uh, um, Glenn deserves a ton of credit for being patient with him. A ton of patience yeah. with, with, with Mark to the point where I remember he and I had a giant argument one day underneath about why aren't you sending Messier to Wichita, uh, to, you know, because he's not good enough for your team. And uh, dare I tell you what he said to me. So, Well, I mean, I, I had this discussion with one of the Oilers alumni about Taylor, Taylor Hall's first two years and Mark Messier's first two years. Mm-hmm. I said not even, clo- not even close. Oh, Taylor, no. had way, Taylor had way more responsibility and as a far more productive player. Mark, you know, sort of was the undercard to, to the Wayne show. And then in that second year, Curry and Anderson joined the team. And Glenn Anderson, <laughs> Glenn Anderson for me has always been the, like, you know, the greatest line in the history of the NHL never played together. When Messier was hurt, Slats would put uh, Anderson up with Curry and Gretzky, mm-hmm. and that's when they'd score those double-digit game goals. Like, uh, or double, you know, it was ridiculous what that trio could do together. But uh, well, Glenn, Glenn, you know, Glenn Anderson finally got his due by by being elected to the Hockey Hall of Fame. Yes, um, and and I think you know there were a couple of reasons why he didn't. Some were personal, some were professional. Yes. Um, but uh, but I'll tell you what, uh, of all those players. Uh, Glenn Anderson's quiet impact in the NHL for a long period of time when you consider what he did in Edmonton and what he did for the New York Rangers uh, should never be forgotten. Great stuff, John. Appreciate your time. Let's talk Wednesday. Okay, Bob. John Shannon is our Oilers Now headliner, brought to you by Touchback Safety. Your safety is their goal. Discover your safety training solutions at touchbacksafety.com. We'll tell you, Roos Chris Steakhouse, a great place to take your family. I went there Saturday night. It was terrific seeing Brendan Taylor and the staff at Roos Chris. Roos Chris is Edmonton-owned and operated. They're open Wednesday through Sunday from 5 p.m. until close. Head down to 9990 Jasper Avenue. And again, tell Brendan, Maggie, Taylor, and the staff at Roos Chris that Oilers Now sent you. Brendan, it's your time to shine with the Oilers Now Prospect Report for James H. Brown. Injury lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. What you got? Evan Bouchard fired six shots on goal on Friday, but was saddled with a dash two, a minus two, and a 5-4 loss in the Allsvenskin. He's sitting at 16 points, though, in 20 games there. Uh, Raphael Lavoie, a goal and an assist for Vasby uh, yesterday in a 5-3 win. Goals in three in a row now for Lavoie. William Legison tallied two assists in his first game with his new Allsvenskin team, uh, but was scoreless last night in just under 24 minutes of ice time. 
time. Up at the higher level, Theodore Lenstrom scored on Saturday. That was his return to the ice in the SHL after missing a couple of weeks. Joe Kim Nygaard scored his second of the season on Saturday as well. All right, you can text us at 780-496-0063. The Fawns, that's what he's calling himself, says it's laughable to hear you guys thinking there's going to be a season. COVID is getting worse, not better. Again, you can text us at 780-496-0063. Brian has a different perspective. He says, Bob, with the rapid test available at the Canadian International Airport, is there a reason that players can't cross that border? Commercial flights are happening daily. Book uh, hotel rooms across NHL cities as well as buses, planes, etc. Have those all sterile and ready to go. Why can't we do that? That text comes to us from Brian. 1258 in Edmonton. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk about the legacy of the first Indigenous player in the National Hockey League, Fred Sasaskamoose, who passed away last week from complications related to COVID. We'll hook up with uh, one of the toughest Vancouver Canucks of all time, Ron DeLorme. Off to a global news weather traffic update, Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.